0: Let's open our Bibles to Ezra chapter 4. Um, I, I'm doing a, a, like a very, very fast study in the book of Ezra. I, think, I don't know if you've ever heard me go through a book this quickly. Let's say a, a, a book like the size of Ezra in, in, say, three to four weeks. That's pretty amazing. Usually it's more like uh, three to four months or longer. But Ezra chapters uh, 1 and 3 we looked at uh, two weeks ago. And I just, uh, like I said, I've been reading uh, through Ezra. Uh, I read through it in my own um, uh, devotions, and I'm uh, reading in the book of Nehemiah now, but just this whole concept uh, is, just seems appropriate, and I, you know, didn't time it that way or whatever, but it just seems appropriate, and, and uh, so much application for us as a fellowship, but also us as, a, uh, as individuals, uh, this idea of returning and rebuilding, they again, they had been uh, forced from the land, taken captive really because of their own uh, sin, and, and, and now, uh, uh, 70 years later, they're returning to the land of promise, returning to Jerusalem. And the book of Ezra, again, is about rebuilding the temple, and the book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls. They're both about rebuilding different kind of focuses, but... Uh, originally, Ezra and Nehemiah were, or, were always uh, grouped together as kind of one book, although different authors and that, but it was kind of grouped together because it was this whole process. We, we see Ezra in the book of Nehemiah. We see um, some of the things that happened during Nehemiah's time in the book of Ezra. Chapter 1, again, they were led by God, they had help from above to go forward and to do this. God opened the doors, God gave the direction, provided in all different kinds of ways, and told them to go up and build. Chapter 2, we saw that they were asked to return, and the people returned and then they got settled, they began to get settled in and, and let the dust kind of settle. And that's kind of like where we're at now in our, in our step. And then chapter 3, the rebuilding would begin, and they started with the altar. First thing they restored was the daily worship. And then after that, they restored other worship celebrations as well. And, and, and uh, they began to just worship, and, and that's really what it's about. Jim mentioned the flyer, come and worship with us. They laid the foundation of the temple and, and it says that praise and worship broke out again and the, lo- the noise was so loud and, and weeping and worshiping all at the same time and this refrain was heard that he is good, speaking about the Lord. He is good. He is good. His love to Israel and to us endures forever. So they returned, they settled in, they began to rebuild. Now chapters 4 through 6, again we're going to look at those today very quickly After all the excitement, after all the, you know, worship and praise, after all the noise and getting back together, you know, they got there and they they started the worship up again. They didn't get very far, though. They didn't get very far before there was opposition, before there was trouble, before there were problems, before there were enemies who heard about what was going on. And this is what we see here now in chapter 4. Look at verses 1 and 2, chapter 4 of Ezra. It says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families, and they said, Let us help you build, because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. It says the enemies, notice that, the enemies they came to them, the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, they came and they said, let us help you. There are enemies in this world, let's face it, we don't live in a a quote unquote Christian society like maybe in years past, there are enemies, but we also have one major enemy and, and his name is Satan. We have an enemy, and and he is not happy about God's people worshiping. He's not happy about God's people learning and growing and going forward. You know, the sooner we understand that and realize that, it will affect how we go forward. We have an enemy. You know, we really have three. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? The world around us, our own flesh works against us so many times, and then the enemy, the devil, we have enemies. Uh, one commentator said this. He said, from this point onwards, right to the end of Nehemiah, there's conflict. He says, nothing that is attempted for God will go unchallenged and scarcely a tactic be unexplored by the opposition. All different kinds of ways, all different kinds of schemes. You know, we need to understand we're going forward with God and, and, and we are going to face conflict. We are going to face opposition. We're going to face troubles and trials. We have an enemy. You have an enemy. To go forward in your own life, you're going to face things. You wonder, why does it get so hard at certain times in your life? Well, there's enemies. They don't want you to go forward with God. They don't want you to worship. They don't want you to stay in the Word, to stay in fellowship. Stay in prayer. Here in this particular situation, now it says that they, they, um, they came to them, and basically what they were trying to do is infiltrate with lies, with half truths. These things that, you know, we we've already kind of, you know, as far as facing enemies, we've we've already begun to face enemies. We've begun to face different kinds of trials and conflicts and troubles. But they came with with half-truths. They said, we seek your God. The truth of the matter is, yeah, they were were seeking the Lord. But they were also seeking, you know, many, many other gods as well. Many, many other ways. And and so they said, let us come and we're going to get involved with you. We're going to help you out. And, And they were worshiping. They had this mixture of religions. And that's kind of a popular thing today. I don't know if you know that. To kind of like, everything is okay, everything is included, let's include everybody. Well, you know, we've been to India before, and, and the Hindu religion has like thousands and thousands and thousands of gods. So, so if some, let's say someone who, who, who felt like that came and said, let us join up with you, and we're going to help you, and we want to be on your worship team, and, and we want to help you teach and build and all this stuff. How would, could we respond to that? Say, yeah, fine, everything's cool here. Is that what they did here? Look at verse uh, 3. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Am I against people who might be, you know, uh, a Hindu and, and, and worse I'm not against them as people but the word of God is so very clear that there is one God and we can't compromise and we can't water it down and add you know, every other kind of worship there is we've seen it we've seen it by government officials you know, who you know, proclaim to be Christians and yet also shaking you know, hands and, and encouraging false religions it's a scary thing we can't do that. We're a Christian church. We worship Jesus Christ. The enemy, Satan, it says that he's the father of lies. He speaks his native language when he lies, and, and lies aren't always obvious, are they? But you, you, know, you take a little bit of truth, and this is what it's been from day one. You take a little bit of truth, and you add a little bit of lies, and you kind of mix it up, and, and, and therein lies the problem. Their response was, no thanks. No thanks. Is it hard? You say, well, that was kind of harsh. Say no to somebody who wants to help you. Why would you do that? How could you say no to somebody? And this is part, this is part of the problem, too. How can you say no at all? How can you say no to somebody? Your kid's doing something wrong. Well, I, I don't want to injure them and say no. And so let them learn and grow. And and I say, no. The first word they have to learn is no. You have to make decisions. You have to draw lines. Why? Because everything isn't okay. Everything isn't wonderful. He says, we alone will build it because there's only one God. And that's really what was happening there. Other tactics. Verse 4 says, then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building other tactics. And and we face these things in our lives, don't we? And, And we've already faced it. I've been facing some of these things for six months. And some of the others that have been involved in this, facing these kinds of trials and troubles and conflicts and discouragement and problems. And how are we going to get through this one? This one looks bigger than the last one and the enemy you know kind of saying you know you're you you can't make it you're not going to get there well i have to say right here and right now we got here and we are here despite what the enemy said to us during this whole process can can anybody say amen about that amen. okay discouragement is a very very real thing i don't know about you but you know i can get very discouraged but God has answered, and God answered them. They said they were trying to make them afraid, and, and it says that our enemy, he roars like a, you know, he, he, he's like a roaring lion, making a lot of noise. And what does a lion do? Try to make you very, very scared. Fear is a very big thing, too. Do any of you ever face fear in your lives? Do any of you ever face discouragement? Well, the enemies here, this is what they were trying to do. They tried one tactic. That didn't work. They tried another tactic. That didn't work. They tried another tactic. It just goes on and on. Let's face it, it's part of reality. If we're going to go forward, like this, this person said, I need to look back to see what he said but I, because I forget what he said. He said, Nothing that is attempted for God will now go unchallenged. When we seek to go he- forward and, and, and to go on with God in our own personal lives and as a fellowship, We're not going to be unchallenged with everything that we do, but we have to remember that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you as a believer, as a Christian, than he that is in the world. Try to make them afraid. In the book of Nehemiah, it says they were were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. They're trying to frighten us. But it says that Nehemiah says, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. What did he do? He prayed and he said, God, strengthen my hands. That's, a, that's an appropriate prayer for us, you know. Strengthen our hands. we got a lot, a lot of work to do and, and a lot of it is with our hands, you know. I've been doing stuff, you know, recently my hands look terrible and they're all, you know, cracking. They're starting to get better now, but they're all cracked. And, and you know, someone said, oh, you've got to use uh, hand cream. And I said, oh, I don't use that stuff. You know, that's, you know, that's woman stuff. Can women do it too? Can men do it too? No, sorry. Now strengthen my hands. And I've I prayed that. Strengthen our hands. You know, we're lifting these bags of cement yesterday, You know, strengthen our hands to do it. Someone was here, I think he lifted about, uh, what, uh, 82 bags uh, at 80 pounds each. What's that? 6,400, 60 some odd pounds, 1,000, 600 pounds. (laughs) That's like three tons. One guy lifted three tons. Not at the same time. (coughs) One bag at a time. I'm not sure if he's here today. I think think he might be laid up. (laughs) Strengthen our hands. Strengthen our hands. Verse 5, it says that they hired counselors to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. They hired counselors to frustrate their plans, to work against them. And again, different tactics, different ways, different times. And it's a long-term thing. It wasn't just once and stopped. You know, it, it's kind of like that in the Christian life. You face this battle once. You say, oh, I defeated this. Great. It's done. No problem with that ever again. Surprise. Comes back at you again a different day, a different time, a different angle, different way. All through the reigns of these two different kings. Ongoing, long term. Let's face it, in the world you'll face tribulation, Jesus said, Be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world. Verses six through twenty-three, we're not going to look at those, but that is kind of a parenthesis about what, what what happened later on in the book of Nehemiah. I, I mentioned that. That, you know, they they kind of overlap, and there's a whole section there. Things didn't change during, you know, the time of the rebuilding of the temple to the time of rebuilding of the wall. Same kinds of things, attacks, opposition. Fast forward that to today, too. Things don't change much. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said, right? There's nothing new. There's no brand new thing that's coming out. It's been here before, just maybe packaged a little bit differently. It's nothing new. It says in Nehemiah that this this guy Sanballat, he heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became angry and he ridiculed the Jews and he said things like this, these words. He said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And his friend said, what what they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Just attacking with words. Like, who do they think they are? Who does that Calvary Chapel people think they are to kind of take on this project? A barrage of words, one person said. It's the enemy's oldest weapon doesn't even need factual ammunition, not even arguments, just a barrage of words. And if it works, it works. Verse 6, it says that they lodge an accusation. Same kinds of thing. They went through the governmental channels to try to, you know, let's go to the king and try to stop this thing. And, And, you know, the truth of the matter is, and if you jump ahead with me to verse 24, it says, Thus, Thus, with all this attack, with all these things that were happening, it says, Thus the work of the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. The work came to a standstill. It got bad enough. The attacks were frequent enough until the people finally said, You know, we've got to stop. We can't, we can't do it anymore. It came to a standstill. And and you can bet that the enemies were pleased, right? They they achieved their goal. Stopping. You know, it's so true in our own personal lives as well. The enemy is happy when we stop reading the word. Amen, he says. Yeah, the enemy can can say amen. He's, you know, saying it for a different reason. But amen means so be it. Good. Yeah. Great. How are you feeling man you okay good it came to a standstill they they got they got defeated in our own personal lives we get defeated we stop reading the word we stop being in fellowship we stop going to bible study we stop we stop we stop we get to a standstill did you ever get to a standstill in your own life it, it happens, you know, and, and sometimes it happens very subtly and, and, and you don't even know what's happening. The book of Hebrews talks about, you know, drifting. You just sort of, you sort of drift slowly off course until you find yourself way out here, you know, miles away from where you want to be, where you need to be. Starts, you know, one day at a time. What's the first thing they restored was the daily worship. Well, something happened Something happened through all these attacks. Maybe they didn't, you know, they, they, they lost, you know, the, the connection with the Lord, knowing that the God sent them there to do that. Why would they stop? Why should they stop? Between chapters four and five now, it was about 15 years. It was about 15 years that it stopped. 15 years. Some of us go through these, these periods where we kind of. You know, it's years. We, we, we're just kind of like in this space, this bad space, really, of no connection with God, no connection with other believers. And, and some of it goes on for years. But it doesn't have to be the end. It doesn't have to be the end. It can change. God wasn't through with them, and God is not through with you. God is not through with me. Chapter 5, the work continues. God spoke again in verse one. Look what it says there. Now Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Ido, he prophesied, they prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel and Jeshua, son of Z- uh, Josadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. God spoke again, you see. Yeah, it was a, it was a standstill period, 15 years. Nothing happened, but, but God spoke again. God used these prophets here to speak. He spoke his word. God's word through Haggai and Zechariah got things moving again. Someone said this, like every spiritual advance from Abraham's To the missionary expansion in Acts, this venture began with a word from the Lord. Not human, you know, motivation, not human uh, strength, but it began with a word from the Lord where God spoke and said, you need to get back on track. Sometimes we're way out in the the wilderness, we're wandering, we're lost, and God says, you need to get back on track. You need to get moving again. That's what he said to them. And so it says that they set to work. They they had a mandate now from God to get back to work, to rebuild the house. And notice there too, the prophets of God were there with them. they, They weren't too spiritual to work. You know, well, listen, I'm a prophet. I can't, you know, I can't help you. I need to just pray. You know. I just need to study and read and and prophesy. Some of us, you know, we're a little too spiritual to be any good. Well, how's that saying go? A little too heavenly minded to be any earthly good? And the opposite, we're a little too earthly minded to be any heavenly, heavenly good? Well, the, the fact is they're both, you know, you need to be both. You need to be spiritually minded, yes. But you also need to be practical, too. These things, you know, I'm just going to come and, and worship. And then you get here and the place is a wreck because, you know, no one has done anything. Well, you know, we need to do both. In the book of Nehemiah, when they were facing attack, it says they, they, they did both. And they, they got to work on the, you know, wall, but they also had their weapons on their side. They were spirit fighting the battles, but they were also practically doing what they needed to do. Verses 3 to 5, it says that, you know, they, they face this attack, but in verse 5 it says, the eye of their God was watching over the elders of, Jew, of the Jews, and they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius and his written reply be received. They said, we're not going to stop this time. Yeah, we'll, we'll do what we need to do to take care of the governmental, you know, concerns and all the rest of it, but we are not going to stop because God's eye is watching over God's eye was watching over them. Look at verse 8. This is one of the reports that was sent to the king in the middle of verse 8. It says, The people are building it with large stones, placing the timbers in the wall. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. They were being diligent and they were making rapid progress when when we get... Just get things started. It's amazing how fast things can go when we are diligent. When we're just sort of haphazard, things don't happen. Things don't move along much. But, but I've seen it around here, when, when we just pick up a job and get something going, how fast it can come together. How fast it can, you know, progress can be made. You know, it was a little bit cold yesterday, so we, we you know, the, the, the concrete didn't harden, but y- you'd be amazed to see how fast, you know, a few days and then one day of the concrete, you're going to see it. it's going to look completely different on this side over here. Because when we get diligent, things happen. I guess that's the opposite of slacking, right? Diligent, slacking. Ultimately, though, God worked in their behalf and the king ordered no one to stop them. That that was kind of a blessing. When you read through it, we're not going to read all that, but the, the king ordered no one to stop them and the king even ordered them to provide the materials that they needed. So I'm looking at that going, hmm, maybe we're going to get some provision of materials somehow in some way. You know, there's a lot of bigger things that we need uh, provision for you you know we need to replace these windows well maybe not that one I think we'll keep that one um, we you know there we, we need carpeting we need you know there's some bigger things that you know I don't know how God's going to provide those things but here you know it, it was a it was miraculous. It was out of the ordinary. It was unusual. The king said, listen, and, and, and he actually said it to those guys who were persecuting them. He said, not only that, but you don't bother them, but not, don't stop them. But you make sure that they get everything they need, and we're going to pay for it. Well, what, could you have planned that out? Could you have thought that up? No. I don't know how these kinds of things, some of the bigger things, we need to pave the road in the front. How, how are these going to come together? But I believe that God will provide, and it will come through interesting, unusual ways. They carried on with diligence. Verse 13. Verse 13, chapter 6, says, Then, because of the decree King Darius had sent, Tatnai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shethar-Bozani and their associates carried it out with diligence. Even the the guys that were against them were diligent because the king said, you need to be diligent. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper. Under the preaching of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, descendant of Iddo, they finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month Adar in the sixth year of the reign of Darius. They were diligent. They continued to build, it says, and prosper. The word of God was still coming forth under the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah. And it says that they finished building the temple according to the command of God, the God of Israel. They finished it. After This is about... Uh, one person speculates about four and a half years after Haggai's word from the Lord, and we we find that in the book of Haggai, after Haggai began to speak. About four and a half years, they they, they got it all together. They finished what they set out to do. There was an ending point. They got there. There was a finish line. The commentator... uh, says this, So this venture of faith began in hard times and continued in a day of small things and of ominous investigations ended in triumph. It's a venture of faith. And it was hard times when they they began it. And why he says continued in a day of small things is because that's one of the things Zechariah said. Don't despise a day of small things, Right? Zechariah was speaking during the same time. Don't despise the fact that, you know, it's it's you know the day of small things. We don't have a lot of this, we don't have a lot of that. But they got to the finish line. How exciting. Verse 16 says then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites and the rest of the exile they celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. They celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. You know, we had kind of a, a, a dedication last week, didn't we? That was kind of our own family dedication, right? But but I, I, think, I think that we're going to have a dedication service. I can't tell you when that's going to be, but we are going to have a dedication service, okay? Whether it's six months or a year from now, I don't know when that's going to be, but there's going to come a time when we, we're going to have a dedication service for all to see and and, and, and the joy, you know, my, my, my father said he's going to fly from California, to come just to be here, you know. The joy it says that God filled them with joy. An interesting thing about this word for dedication is it's the same word that is uh, uh, later would become the name of a festival in Israel, it's called Hanukkah. And the Hanukkah, the, this festival that the Jews celebrate now, it, it really, what it is, it's a festival to, to remember that they rededicated the temple after, and this is about 165 B.C., after a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes went in and desecrated the temple. And, and they said, well, we can't, you know, this, we can't do this. And it says, so they, they reconsecrated, rededicated this temple and they call it Hanukkah. And that's what this word is. Same word. But generally speaking, it it says that here that it, it's applied to anything that was newly made and put at God's disposal. Put at God's disposal for God to use it. The dedication. We dedicate this place every day. We dedicate this place that God would use it. We, we're talking about it now. And, and may it always be that way. Verse 18, it says that they installed the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their groups for the service of God at Jerusalem. According to what is written in the book of Moses, they, they had people who would serve for the service of God and are all called to serve. Verses 19 and, and following, they celebrated the Passover. Again, this time of being set free from Egypt. And finally, in verse 22, it says, For seven days... They celebrated with joy the Feast of Unleavened Bread because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria so that he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel. They celebrated with joy. Why? Because God filled them with joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. Despite the conflict... Despite the opposition, despite the even the period of inactivity, despite the enemies, despite the exhaustion. In uh, in the book of Nehemiah, it's you know the, one of the things that says that the, is that the people of Israel came to Nehemiah and they said we we're exhausted, we can't do anymore. Despite the discouragement, despite the fear, it says that they carried on, they they continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah. And they finished building the temple and they began these worship services, the festivals, the festival of Passover, the dedication of the house of God. They carried on. The biggest danger is to give up. They didn't give up. They stopped for a while. It was was not a good thing. But they got going again. God spoke to them and they got going again and they went to the finish line. Let me just finish reading these two scriptures. Familiar scriptures, but we'll we'll close with these. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. And the last verse, Philippians 3, 14 says, Paul says, I press on, Toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on to the goal. I want to get to the finish line. Ultimately, the finish line is what for you and I? It's heaven. Ultimately, it's heaven. We press on toward the goal. We face enemies. You and I will face them our whole lives. The world of flesh and the devil. We're going to face these things. They're not going to go away. Do we just end up like they did for 15 years at a standstill? Wandering, lost? Or do we say, no, what? We're going to go on. We're going to persevere. We're not going to give up. And we're going to make it. We're going to go. We're going to get there. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and and for the the truths that it gives to us, Lord, and I pray that each one of us would would uh, have something from your word, Lord. Some realization, some understanding, some truth that hits home that, that we can hold on to. And, and just as the people of Israel they they got inspired from a word from you, Lord, we'd get inspired to to get up and get get moving again. Maybe we're at a standstill and we need to we need to get fired up. We need to get back on track. Help us, Lord. Maybe we need to just get involved in, in some area of the life of, of this church and, Lord, strengthen our hands. Show us where we might fit in, what we might be able to do and be a part of. But I've seen it, Lord, how you've, just, you've created some fellowship even during these times of work where we, we work together side by side and, and like in the wall of Nehemiah's time where they worked side by side and, and, and fellowship developed. And I pray, Lord, for our fellowship to develop even through these times of just physical and practical labor. I've gotten to know so many uh, folks better through it. And, and I pray, Lord, you'd show, us, you'd show us the way, Lord. I pray you'd protect us and give us strength against the enemies that we face as a church and the enemies that we face as individuals, Lord, that we would not give up and we would remember that greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. And Lord, finally, I I pray that, Lord, that we would have a a true and living relationship with our Savior Jesus Christ, each one of us. I pray for any here that that don't understand that, that don't know what that is. I pray that you would uh, open their hearts to understand that you love them, that you gave your life for them, that you paid for their sin upon a cross that you were buried and rose from the dead because you wanted them to have life and life eternal. And I pray right now that their hearts would be open to your love, to your grace, to your mercy. And, and I just want to give an opportunity right now as we pray for any who are in that position. and You just want to start a relationship with Jesus. Simply, simply open your heart and say, Jesus, I need life. I need hope. I need help. I need forgiveness. Please come into my life. Save me. Be my savior today. Jesus, we need you. Jesus. a rock of refuge to which we can always go. In Jesus' name we pray.